This is the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Oh, intermission. No, it's halftime. Stop by 9390 Rogers Avenue for the best liquor, beer, and wine deals in the River Valley. Arkansas wins the national championship! Check out Eastside Liquor on Facebook for weekly specials. Say goodbye! Darren McFadden, 80 yards, touchdown! This thing hits me a little bit, Matt, here when you look at uh, <clears throat> Draymond Green's uh, suspension, an indefinite suspension handed down by Adam Silver. Uh, he gets, uh, it's the word indefinite, right? Is it There's, like house arrest? Like, is he going to put a monitor on his ankle? You got like an ankle yeah. to see if yeah. he can even come into the building? That's right. That's right. Can't, so he can't dress like anybody else and try to, you know, make it look hey, like he's Steph, Green, Steph Curry or something? How much do you think your reputation and your past, how you've been for the last 10 years affects this thing? Because if this was his first, first deal, this wouldn't have been that bad. But how much do you think that it's like every other year, every year it seems like he's doing some type of physical altercation and it's really uncalled for. Well, I think reputation proceeds, and then there's the actions in the middle of the in the middle of the season. I mean, he's had three ejections already. <laughs> how long how long's the season been going? Are we in two uh, two and a half months in now? You, you know, three Christmas, ejections you in really two and a half months. There's only 82 games anyway. That's, that's right. Teams are like 13 and 11 right now, so they played like 25 games. Or but so. I think it's also the violence that goes along with it. I mean, the whatever happened with Rudy Gobert, that's got a little violent aspect to it. It's not just shouting at officials. It's not just berating officials. I mean, he he, he, he literally hauled off and punches. Uh, Joseph Nurk- Nurk- Nurkic yes, a couple of days ago. That was a punch, no matter what he says. Open fist or whatever, that's a punch. If he says he's trying to sell a foul, I mean, goodness gracious. How much, how much are you trying to beg out of something that actually was legitimately a punch, and he knew exactly what he was doing? So he's going to lose. So I wonder, how long will an indefinite suspension be? Usually, I think if you're going to have a number, it's going to be in the single digits. If they're going to just say, "All right, this is four games. This is eight games," I mean, this will this it feels like it's the kind of thing that could go go to you know ten to twenty potentially. And I mean, there's even uh, a note here that if his suspension is fewer than twenty games, he gets docked about one hundred and fifty four thousand dollars per game. And if it's more than twenty games, he's docked about two hundred and three thousand. He's the thing is the uh, Draymond Green his his basketball IQ is first class uh, when it comes that's why he's able to play because uh, as far as his skill set and, and what he does he's not the most athletic guy he's not the fastest guy he doesn't jump the highest but man he's smart so. When you have a smart person, there's something. It's kind of like remember Grayson Allen at Duke, kind of thinking exactly the it's, same. It's guy. a smart person that's just not. And I even think John Morant's kind of. You know, I, I don't think he's just just. I mean, he was he was raised in private schools. He's he's been at least halfway educated. But it's it's weird when you see smart people doing dumb things. Well, I wonder also too if it's if it's just um, you know a buy into what he's been throughout his career. And, you know, the, the buy into being that player that nobody wants to play against and everybody wants on your own team unless you're unavailable. And, and, and you know, it's like Rodman. Rodman did all of the stuff that you needed to do to be a quote unquote glue guy. But then, you know, he had the off field, he had the off the court stuff, which was absolutely crazy. He kicked and then that, there's he, the on the court stuff that also, you know, kind of, kind of um, filtered over a little bit sometimes, at least with Draymond Green, like, He's not wearing. He, Here's he's, the thing he's about he's not dressing a little bit differently and wearing makeup and all of that kind of stuff. It's like can you imagine Rodman trying to play doing that today. I mean, he he stood out then. He would stand out now. That's that's what I'm saying. Draymond Green, for as smart as he is, you think back to that that finals he lost against Cleveland. He got suspended for for he got thrown out of a game and suspended the next game, and and it was allowed the the Cleveland and and LeBron to come back and and win a champ. That's in the NBA Finals when you can't. You can't do that. So that's that's just kind of what kind of throws me off. You know, you get you get pitchers sometimes, and you know, guys don't really do this anymore because there's there's they're quick. Umpires are quicker with ejections, but you get a pitcher with a reputation of throwing inside, quote unquote, head hunting, and and I mean, there's an enforcer quality to that too. Is Green an enforcer, or is he just is he just a little crazy? Because it feels like there's a little craziness there. Yeah, I don't know. If but he's is it a crazy Charles like Oakley. a fox? I don't know if he's Charles Oakley. He might have a little more Ron Artest in him. Uh, I, yeah, t- to me, Draymond, he's he's a bigger kid, but he's not. Uh, 
he's not there's nothing scary about him mm-hmm. like you're not like you're o- not, charles oakley was that's i'm not you're not was a house I'm, on legs i'm on your side charles oakley you know uh <laughs> unless you're james dolan steven, apparently steven adams would be it would be a guy i don't i i don't know uh you know he's he's an older veteran player uh that's coming to the end of his career obviously and i think he's seeing it slip away and and you're just trying to you, you just wasn't steven adams there scene? when when um when your boy got uh, got in a on a in a shouting match with um, oh uh, Dylan Brooks with uh, with Shannon Sharp with Shannon Sharp that's right wasn't Stephen Adams there I mean thinking well hold on a second here pick on pick on somebody that's actually oh, I don't know six inches taller than you Shannon. yeah I go I go Stephen Adams Shannon Sharp, Sharp Dylan Brooks and that and that, that's that's how my lineup would go for for those three cats yeah, Aaron Senny says he's a goon no but a goon is the, like the that's the, Chaney the old, that's your boy from Temple yeah the only which uh, Oh yeah, he said those goons. Yeah, 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 that's right. But that's not a that's not a term that's thrown around for any other sport other than hockey. Yeah, like yeah. enforcer, enforcer and goon. Like it, it feels like it's a little bit of the same thing. You guys that goons end up in the penalty box a whole lot. Goons to me make me think you're not very talented at your spot, so you have to kind of be tricky. And in what if your talent is that you got? Is, that, is that you can Finnegan? take a right hook? Yeah, right. You know, if 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 you can take take one. You remember Court, Cortland Finnegan? He was a a cornerback for the Tennessee Titans. But Fiery dude too. Yeah, right? you know the play would be over, and then he would keep on going, and so that's kind of what you're getting. Like it's it's like the play over homes but but they that's their mindset they're trying to get into your head and trying to do whatever they can to slow you up it's, it's so funny like and when i when you when i pay attention to hockey you'd be like all right well who leads the league in penalty minutes and it was almost like a badge of honor for that guy because you know you sometimes you you know you get into a fight trying to draw somebody else into it and the next thing you know two of the best players on the opponent are off the ice and you did your job and you got your you got your five minute misconduct you know or your 10 minute misconduct or whatever you'd be perfectly happy with that uh i don't think it works in any other sport like um Arturo nobody Vidal. wants to lead the league in in uh, in pass interferences in the nfl or fouls in the nba probably don't play as much you know i think of rudiger he's he's a he's a d-back in in, in soccer right now for for real madrid i think uh, real madrid i think of douglas costa um uh, you, you think of arturo vidal but they get yellow cards and red cards and get thrown out kind of like uh, what you're seeing seeing there in the nba Nathan says, watch Draymond only goes after the international guys. Not going to square up on Bobby Portis. And then David and Clarkville That's in. Bobby Portis is scary looking as hell. I think I'll take Bobby P over Draymond Green. He's got those eyes. Man, I, Bobby, I'm on Bobby's side. There's a certain look in somebody occasionally that you realize, you know what? I don't think I want to mess with that guy. I don't like him very much, but I'm just going to kind of walk on the other side of the street. Something in somebody's eyes sometimes. Now, I'm not saying Bobby Portis looks like he's psycho. He just looks like somebody you don't want to mess with. Yeah, he's a Razorback. I'm on, I'm on his side. I, I saw where um, Giannis scored. He dropped 64 on him, and the coach tried to take the ball away, which that was kind of... <laughs> It's kind of uh, kind of funny. I thought it's just supposed to be the players that fight over the ball. I thought whoever whoever you know whoever wins the war gets to write the story. Whoever wins the game gets to keep the ball. You know, it's like no game ball if you lose. That's right. It does work that way, doesn't that's, it? That's right. You don't get to cut down the net if you don't win. And especially you got beat one twenty six to one forty. Y'all 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 left before the game was even over. You usually go with the lower the low total first in points. I see more people are doing this now. And I'm not I'm not throwing that as a criticism. More people are doing that now, going with the low total first. A lot of times, if depending on, I, I might go home team first always, and so that's that's just a way to. Which the Bucks were the home team on this one, you know. But yeah, what are you gonna do? We got a text out of the five hundred one wants to know the best cornerback you ever faced. Well, Rasheen Mathis was a teammate of mine. He's the best athlete I've ever played uh, played with, a cornerback who, who played uh, for years. Terrence Newman, a guy that played at Kansas State, guy that played at, uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, he was, he was tough. Al Harris, Green Bay Packer. Uh, there was. Uh, t- I'm telling you, I know people debate athletes and in, in positions and sports. The the best athletes in the world are, are defensive backs. I mean, it's are they the best trash talkers too? You know, some of them. It, it doesn't matter what position you are. Uh-huh. There, there's guys that can talk trash. You, you, some some people are are quiet, and, and it's almost the quiet ones you got to worry about. It's like, <laughs> man, he hasn't said anything to me for three quarters yet. You know what's what's going on? But no, that I, I absolutely. You know, you can have. 
running backs, receivers, two guards, whatever positions you want to say are the best athletes. And, the, and, and the, everybody can make their case. But, man, cornerbacks and D-backs in the NFL, you got to be tough. you got to be physical. Uh, you got to be able to tackle. you got to have ball skill. I mean, just the just all the things you have to be elite at, it's, it's, it's a tough position to play. I'm trying to think to myself who would be the best trash talker in baseball because it's done from afar usually. So a lot of times I think it's shortstops, guys that play with some flair, you play with some flair, and football is all about some. I mean, I know it's about physicality and strength and all of that, but it's also about flair and style. I guess I would go shortstops, but it's not the kind of thing that happens too often. It happens more from the bench, from the dugout, uh, and uh, and shouting out of the pitcher. Keith in Fort Smith is first up today on the McClarty Daniel Hotline. Morning, Keith. Thanks for the call. What's up? Hey, morning, everybody. Just want to say thank you all for covering Razorback Athletics. I want to talk about... Uh, it's quarterback from Boise State. I've been watching him uh, on YouTube and watched him in the MWC and all that uh, when he played. Oldham. Uh, you know, I called a couple of weeks ago. Everybody's wondering what Keith's going to say and they, you know, about Bobby Petrino, and I'm still high on that. And uh, you know, I, I feel really good about it. It's been it's been bittersweet seeing everybody kind of part ways with us and, and move on from us. But I want to I want to give a give credit where credit's due. I think we're not done yet. I think we're in the thick of it. You know, people on hog Twitter talking about, uh, you know, dark hogs or whatever it is, like we're up to no good. But I'm going to say this. I'm thankful that Sam has put his best foot forward. He's got us in the transfer portal. He's got us cooking. And it's a good thing that everybody, we finally got some progress out of him. And I think he's really being competitive about it. And I can't wait to see what this quarterback does. Thank you, guys. You got it, Keith. Was that the first time the TP word was said on the on the show? Oh, we're the doing it. We're doing it. Yeah. We're doing attacks. Yeah, that would yeah. be that would be uh, nineteen. Uh, now we we were up to we're up to twenty four dollars now. See units musical education. Pretty soon he'll be actually be able Let's to go. buy himself a double album. Is that never if if it's Griffey? Was he twenty four? Um. Think, uh, yes. Yeah. He was twenty four. He right? was hat backwards and everything. Do not put your hat backwards, please. See you in it. Um. Well, of course it's not done, Keith. The the port. <clears throat> that's half of it. That's like fifty cents. But I'll I'll go the whole way. The, the look. It's right now. It's only about the players that are leaving. You've had what three commit to come play for Arkansas, and Blyman, many yeah. more decide to leave. You're at thirteen that have denounced they're staying. 14 that are in the Mario Warp Zone. Although two of them are no longer in the Warp Zone, they have dropped into whatever Mario world they're going to play in now, one of them being they Oxford. Le- they the leveled other, up. Yeah. The, other, <laughs> the other being Columbia. Um, do we have to have players on thrones all the time for these photos? Why is everybody on a throne? Sooner or later, sooner or later, someone's just going to ask, Can I just, let me sit in one of these nice kitchen chairs here. I want to know how many kids that transfer more than one school actually play much. Because to me, there's a reason you're transferring two times. You're transferring three times in four years. You're probably not that good. You, you have to change now. Now, Rocket's going to play if he's healthy. Maybe there's injury. There's other reasons, too. But I just wonder how many of these kids... Uh, that think, oh, everybody's against me. It's not working out at this school. I got to go to another school. And then they go to another school. Eventually, you kind of got to look at yourself and, and, and start making plays. Well, and at least for the next, what, 13 days, anybody that's transferred once can get, it, can get in that warp zone again and not have to sit with this injunction that was handed down um, against the NCAA. And, uh, man, that feels to me like the first of many. It's not a decision. I think they've, they actually have a, they'll come out with a decision in the next two weeks. Uh, but that when that decision does come down, it feels like it's the first of, uh, of a little more than a handful of decisions that very well may lead to the eventual demise of the NCAA. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and matchup reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting and your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use our promo code believe that's b-l-e-a-v for your 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit bet online where the game starts 
Are you in need of an attorney? Hickey & Hull Law Partners is your firm. Hickey & Hull understand the importance of client communication, meeting with you, responding to emails, and returning calls. Hickey & Hull are attorneys you can trust to guide you through a divorce or a custody case, criminal charges, or even civil lawsuit. Ready to put their seven decades of experience to work for you and get the best results. Every case is important. Hickey & Hull Law Partners strive to give each client the time and attention it deserves. Visit them at KevinHickeyLaw.com. Hickey and Hull Law Partners. Things are about to get better. And now, back to the podcast. Well, I hear something you, you don't want to hear, but you got to get into it a little bit. Shashad Stewart was arrested last night. It's coming, uh, read it on various uh, uh, websites that cover uh, Arkansas athletics. Uh, senior defensive end booked at 1.30 in the afternoon. This would be yesterday. Uh, by Fayetteville police for, let's see, the charges of burglary, residential, first-degree criminal mischief. Oh. Not the best thing to hear. I guess there'll be a uh, hearing tomorrow uh, for uh, Jashad Stewart, and you go from there. How much did he play last year? Quite a bit. Yeah. Quite a bit. When he was healthy, he was out there, he was out there quite a lot. I think... No, so let's see. When he's healthy, he plays, but he had injuries uh, this past year. But I think if he was healthy, he would have been one of the guys that gets a lot of snaps. You know, you wonder if this is uh, like a, a thing where he's just casing out the place or if it's like a breakup or if it's people moving out. You know, you kind of wonder what the details are uh, uh, about that because it, it doesn't sound too good. No, I don't know what the details are at all, but I see I see the, I see the mug shot and the orange suit and uh, definitely not the direction that, that – that, that anybody would have liked to see that go. That's for sure. 877-377-6963 to get with us here on uh, on halftime. Uh, Seth and Roger said the biggest trash talkers in baseball are the speedy guys. Now, you, you do trash talk with your body language, too. Power hitters just pimp home runs. That's that's a kind that of trip. That's a kind yep. of trash talk. It's just a different it's a different sort. It's not getting in anybody's face and um, and telling them about it. Which to me, that's that to me is like what you see in football and basketball. You know, a basketball player, you're not even, you're not allowed to step over the guy any longer. You're not allowed to do that anymore. I think they'll tee you up for it because that seemed to be the uh, that seemed to be the way to do it. <laughs> it's like uh, the the official was telling Tyreek Hill before the last last game. He said, "Hey man, no peace signs out here today," and he's like, "Well, I'm just spreading world peace." Arkansas Dave wanted to know. So this game at War Memorial. Uh, not next year, but the Arkansas State game. You get two more games on the on on that contract, and then I would I would assume that that's that that's probably going to be it for for Arkansas games at War Memorial. Would you want to go to the last one there, Matt? I mean, you had some pretty you had some pretty big moments there. I think that you, you look you're looking at. I don't think this would be the last time ever. Uh, but if when college starts realigning and reshaping how it is, what's wrong with playing Arkansas State there? You know, having that type of deal, when, especially when you get rid of the A&M going to Dallas, if that's not going to be a thing. So you could still play one game down there, and then what would that give you? Uh, seven home games then up in Fayetteville instead of, you know, five or six that they've been getting? Well, and, and I think that's why. I think if there would be any other games played at, 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 in Little Rock, it would be against in-state schools. It's pretty much what it is now. Um, you know, UAPB, this last year you didn't, but three out of the last four that Arkansas plays in that stadium will be will be in-state schools. So I feel like that's what be reserved for. I saw a photo, you know, the junior college championships were played or the, the championship game was played at War Memorial yesterday. I think there might have been a couple dozen people there, and that's it. I mean, talk. I flipped it on the TV briefly, and, and it was a blowout in the third quarter. Uh, you know, we'll talk about these bowl games being made for television uh, programming essentially, and any ticket sales are just kind of gravy. That must have been the same deal for uh, the NJCAA national championship yesterday. It didn't look like that; but there were that many people there. Iowa Western and and uh, East Mississippi Community College were the two schools. Yeah, Iowa Western. That's pretty close to Omaha. That's right across the river from it, I think. And um, yeah, a text out of the 870 wants to see the, the money kept in-state and all that. Well, that's understood. Nobody's saying don't play the in-state schools. Uh, I think what, what, what they're saying now is if you're going to play the in-state schools, I bet you it happens in Fayetteville uh, from now on. So I think, I think they, look, I mean, you're going to play in Little Rock? Well, then we can't, 
you can't look at the schedule and say, well, why do we not have many games in Fayetteville early in the season? It's, it's put right there in front of you. you know? And part of it is that you've got two, two games that you play, not annually, but you know, semi-annually, it feels, for, for, for Little Rock, um, that are not in Fayetteville. The, and the one in, the one in Jerry World is the one that really hurts, I think, more than anything, because that's a league game, and you want to play at home. That's what makes, you know, the 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 the, te- the Red River rivalry, Matt. That's that they just signed a contract to Bowl. stay yeah. at the Cotton Bowl. I think for another, I think it, I think it goes close to fifteen or twenty years now that they're that they're extending the contract. And I don't think those schools have played against each other anywhere else. If you Arkansas A and M is much different. If you had to give up one, w- w- as you know, as a fan or as a, even a player, which one would you want to get? Which one would you want to keep? Or would you which which one would you, you is Jerry World? Does that still have that feel? You're like, man, we're we're nineteen, twenty year old kids playing in, in Dallas Cowboys Stadium. It's a pretty cool moment. Or going down to Little Rock and, and all the history there and, and, and being in your in, in, in the state. Well, so much of the games in Little Rock seem to be about the nostalgia of when that was, you, you know, your home stadium for the most part. What, they ran out of water last year, you know? It's like a... Uh, it, wasn't a it wasn't a really great experience. Right. But but if you're trying to market the program to to players in the Mario zone or, or high schoolers that are from outside the state, they don't care about playing in Little Rock. They don't. They don't care about playing in that stadium. They would much rather play it at, at where the Cowboys play. I would think to them, to a kid from Arkansas, I think maybe playing in Little Rock now feels different than it did to somebody like you, Matt, that grew up where they played many more games in, in Little Rock. Now it's now it's like a now it's oh hey we're playing in Little Rock once every two or three years. And uh, I just don't think it has the same sell to the kids in-state that it used to. And I don't think it sells to the kids from out-of-state at all. Let's go well, to the McClarty Daniel hotline. Got Jackie and Crossit. Then we got to hit a break. Jackie, what's going on? Hey, man. I, y'all may have discussed this, and I'm probably way behind, but what do they do next year? If there's no divisions, what do they, what do, they do about a champion, ACC championship game, or do they not have one, or how do they decide who's going to be in it? No, you'll, you'll rip the conference championship games out of the commissioner's cold, dead hands. Um, basically, Jackie, it's first and second place, and it's, it comes down to tiebreakers in, in a lot of cases. Heck, you had computers. <laughs> you had computers choose who was going to play in the Mountain West championship game because tiebreakers didn't necessarily work out. I think that that's going to end up being a little bit of a cluster, Matt. When it got, and I, I, the more the more I think about having these this uh, these non division leagues, and you see sixteen teams. Um, I don't know. There's something about a division race that seems to me to mean something. But I think the schools also want to try to get, and it's like, it's all about the conference championship game. They want to get what they see as a better potential matchup annually in those conference championship games because Michigan, Iowa, they would have ended up with Michigan, Ohio state a second time. Yeah. It's weird. I don't understand it. Uh, how, how you can say you have a conference or a division or whatever, and you don't play everybody, you don't play everybody in your, in your division. How are you going to really have a champion? So I, I, you know, in, in America, the, the, the regular season, it just doesn't seem that it seems they're doing everything they can to take away. Regular season doesn't really mean anything. It's all about getting to postseason and getting to the tournament. And in all the sports, like all of them, mm-hmm. all of them. We, you kind of stop. I mean, you look at your division standings and everything, but then you kind of look at the league standings and you go from there. That's what I do when I'm looking at the NFL playoff picture, and that's unfortunately what I've been doing now when I'm looking at uh, at the Major League Baseball postseason picture. And it used to be about win your freaking division, and you go from there. Hey, sports fans, don't let plumbing issues throw you off your game. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric is here to tackle those pesky drain blockages and ensure your water heater is always in MVP form. With Pascal's world-class service, you can count on a winning play every time. Whether it's a quick drain clear or a water heater touchdown, Pascal's got the expertise to keep your home running smoothly. Stay in the game and leave the plumbing to the pros. Schedule your service online anytime at gopascal.com. Pascal Air Plumbing and Electric. Celebrate the magic of Christmas at the Arlington Resort Hotel and Spa in the historic Venetian Dining Room this Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. From 11 a.m. to 3 p.m., your Christmas dinner includes a salad bar, carving station, hot buffet items, and desserts featuring traditional and unique items. Over 12 dine for $58 per person, under 12 for $29, and under 6 eat free. Reservations required must have a credit card to hold reservation. Call 501-623-7771 or log on at arlingtonhotel.com dining for reservations and complete menu items. 
Bob. Appreciate you joining us as always. I am always entertained by the press conferences when Bob asks questions. And then every once in a while, um, one of the coaches says something that makes you howl, and it, invol- it involves Bob. This is from Eric Musselman's press conference yesterday. I guess we didn't realize that Arkansas has really struggled with the offensive. Re- I did not realize that there are a couple of players who, are, who have played bulk of minutes for this team that have totaled one offensive rebound, those being Tremont Mark and Caliph Battle. And Muss has noticed, and he thinks that there are some writers that might be able to do a better job. Go ahead, Christian. If I took Bob Holt, me, Curtis, if we all went out there and played, I don't know, 200 minutes, a ball would fall in Bob Holt's lap, and he'd get an offensive rebound. It would. If I played at 59 years old, a ball would somehow bounce to me off an offensive rebound. It just it just would. Bob, when was your last offensive rebound? And and how are you going to get one from up in the press area? Well, yeah, it's a little high. And then actually, people probably have hard to believe because I'm not exactly athletic looking, but I actually went to a really small high school in southeast Missouri. And if he had a pulse, it actually needed people to play. You know, there's there some schools like that. And, um, I actually played against Otto Porter Sr., which he was a very, he was a great high school player. He played Southeast Missouri State, but his son, people might have heard of, Otto Porter Jr., played at Georgetown and NBA he played player. Played the Denver but, Nuggets. He just won a world championship, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's really good. So I played his dad, believe it or not. <laughs> Bit of a mismatch. And uh, you could ask Joe Clyde about playing Scott County Central. You know, Joe played at Slater, which I think was it was double-A night. It was a couple of years after I played high school ball, and I covered, uh, I was up in Columbia, and for the Southeast Missouri, covered Scott County Central blowing out uh, Joe Slater team. And you think, well, gosh, how could a team with, with Joe Klein get blown out? But Joe was great. He signed with Notre Dame, and uh, he was one of the best high school players in the country, and he scored about 25 points, and I think uh, Slater maybe scored 30 because their guards couldn't get the ball to court in Scott County's breath. But um, but I actually probably 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 would have been 1977 last time I actually got a rebound in a ball game. Didn't get many to speak of, but um, yeah, it is hard to believe those guards, those Arkansas guards, uh, only have one offensive rebound between them. And you know, obviously that's you know Eric mentions that in the press conference prior to send a message that you you got you got to go get the ball more. Well, it is the more you can do, Bob. I mean, you, you got to be able to to be a complete player, and and I bring that up to to talk about battle. Ba- battle, if he's going to be our leader, he's the bona fide scorer on this team. But what else does he give this team? It, it, it you have to be a complete basketball player if this is going to work. Yeah, and he's obviously a, a scorer and has a scoring mentality. And you got to score to win. But you know, I think first and foremost with, with Eric Musselman and a lot of coaches, certainly it was this way with that he's setting Nolan Richardson. You know the best coaches Arkansas has ever had. Um, defense, mm-hmm. and you know Eric mm-hmm. talked about they are really having trouble keeping guys in front of them to the extent that that they sort of had this uh, this strategy of no middle. In other words, you don't let a guy drive up the middle of the lane so he can you know pass either side of the court. Spray passes, I guess Eric called them, and now he's saying basically keep the guy in front of you. Don't I don't I don't want him. I don't want don't want to hear that you beat your baseline because you were favoring the middle. Just keep the guy in front of you. And it sounds easy or it sounds basic. It's certainly not easy. Um, but yeah, you really to be a complete player. Um, I mean, I know Devo Davis has not maybe played as well as people would like, or that's, I'm sure he'll play better. But you know, Devo's a guy that can rebound, assist. You know, play. He's a great on the ball defender, great help defender. He can shoot. And, yeah, they need guys to get their games more well-rounded. And I'm sure that's been a huge emphasis in practice this week and whatever they do against Lipscomb, you know, if they beat them bad or whatever, uh, that'll be a big emphasis when they've got nine days for their next game. And then they have a week before the SEC opener, you know. Bob, I think in the last two uh, um, availabilities that Muss has had, and I guess one of them would have been the, the coaches' show on Monday night, he, he's, he's pointed a direct line between shot selection and defense and and the offensive rebounding goes into that too um 
But but I, I mean, and do you think too that all these blocks we're getting is because we can't stay in front of people? So it could be a misleading stat when it's like, oh, we have so many blocks, but it's because we can't guard anybody anyway. I think blocks are the most misleading stat in all of basketball, um, and it does show you that you're getting guys beaten. But it's it's so interesting, you know. It's it's not just transition necessarily that's leaving you that that, that you're having trouble with, uh, but when your shot your shot selection has a lot to do with how you defend. And, man, when you look at the shot selection, it hasn't been very good of late. Yeah, getting back to what Matt said about, yeah, block shots can be misleading. You know, Eric alluded to that in his, on his radio show, basically said one of the reasons they're getting more blocks, and it's good to, you know, get blocks and alter it. It can be a positive stat, too. But that one of the reasons they've increased that is because uh, guys are getting to the hole so much more often than they did. And so the bigs have more opportunities. Um, that can also can lead to fouls. But, I mean, like I say, it can be good to block shots. I mean, if they're getting to the hole, you, you want to block it or alter it, but they shouldn't be getting to the hole that much. Because um, I think the most blocks they averaged under Eric before this was like four, like 4.8 or something. So they're averaging about seven. But, um, but yeah, I think the defense is, and their three-point defense is 35%, which, you know, in a particular game, that might not be that terrible, but if that's the average, and you look at OU, OU hit 6-12 in the second half the other day. So, and, and that's something that Eric really prides himself on. They, You know, his first year when they were very undersized, uh, they led the nation in three-point defense at about 27%. And 8%, you know, over the course of the season, that's a lot of three, extra threes. So, um, you know, th- this team has issues with ball movement at times, like you say, shot selection. But to me, it's all got to start on the defensive end. They're also fouling too much. I was kind of uh, boggled my mind. Eric talked about how they were fouling too much. I was like, yeah, they are. So I looked it up, you know, 20.9 fouls per game, just under 21. That's 344th in the country. <laughs> That's pretty bad, right? Yeah. And so they, they need to keep guys in front of them. Uh, they need to, and they need to play good defense without fouling. He also mentioned, you know, sometimes when they're driving in, Taking some of these wild shots, guys are falling down, and then the, the opponent gets a rebound. They've got five on four, you know, until the other guy gets up and gets down to play defense. And so that's affected their, Eric mentioned that it affected their transition defense adversely. So this team's got a lot of issues right now, but I think it really all starts with a defensive end because if you can create more turnovers, and you talked about the steals, their steals are way down. They're like 270 something in steals. That's usually a stat they're pretty good at. And steals lead to fast breaks, which lead to, you know, uncontested shots or two-on-ones or whatever, three-on-twos. So, um, you know, there's a lot of things to fix, but I really think it all starts on the defensive end. Yeah, Devo and Blocker seem to have the best anticipation for me, uh, Bob, that, that those guys can get in the passing lanes and and, 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 and cause havoc. Who Who is um, – I'm trying to think, and, and, and I know it's, it's been 10 games, but we're, we're almost here to Auburn. Who is the, our point guard? Who do you think it's going to be? Because to me, we don't have an identity on off. And I know we're talking, Bob, you're, we got to play defense, obviously. But who is what, what is this team going to look like offensively? Who's going to be the point guard that leads this team? Yeah, and Eric, you know, they had three. Well, they, they only had 13 turnovers the other day, which is not a huge number. Um, but three of those were shot clock violations. You don't even get a shot. You know, Eric talks about getting a shot on goal. I mean, there's a there's a sign, at least the practices I saw, there was a sign up on the wall, get a shot on goal. You know, at least at least get something up there. If you get a shot on goal, maybe you'll hit it. Even if it's a bad shot, you might get an offensive rebound. They might get a foul, whatever. You know, just get a shot up, you know. It's like put, in baseball, put the ball in play and don't strike out. If you can pull the ball in play, maybe it finds a hole, maybe they make an error, whatever. And so they have three shot clock violations. That's a lot. And he talked about they got to improve their point guard play. And he also talked about on the radio show that, that they've usually had pretty good size at their point guards. I mean, you think about Jimmy Witt being like 6'5", and Cody Martin in Nevada was 6'7". You know, last year you had Anthony Black, 6'7", 6'8", whatever it was to Matt. And so um, I think Layton Blocker, he's got a high, high ceiling, but he's 6'2". And he also, he's one of those guys, he, he's, he plays hard, he does a lot of really good things, but he, he does tend to foul too much, and he's fouled three guys on three-point shots the last two games, so that's not good. So Layton's still got a bit of a learning curve. To me, Devo maybe is the guy, because he's 6'4", and uh, he distributes the ball pretty well. I mean, he definitely can shoot and score. I'm sure he likes to do that as much as the next guy, but he's a guy that I think can play pretty unselfishly, and he's an older guy. 
and that, that's a natural leadership position like quarterback in football. So, to me, maybe Devo needs to take that spot. Um, L. Ellis, I mean, he can play point guard, but he has a tendency to play a little out of control sometimes. You know, Tremont Mark could do that. He's another guy on the defensive end. You know, he, he came here from Houston with a great defensive reputation. He's 6'6", so he certainly has the size. Eric, Eric basically said he needs to be better on defense. He's had good games, but he needs to be more consistent. But to me, if I was looking for, you know, an older guy with leadership who can do that, it would be Devo. Bob, do you have a, you have a reaction to the schedule release for 2024 for football, or was that just kind of like, all right, okay, there, there's the schedule. You knew who the teams were. You just didn't know how it was going to line up. How, when, when you saw that, what, what, what sort of reaction do you have? Well, I said no, nobody can stretch out a schedule release like the SEC. Now. No kidding. <laughs> um, and, and they did it. Of course, I hope everybody got to watch the, the Barch Star uh, uh, doc, documentary on, on the SEC Network last time. My only complaint about the Barch Star was that it was only an hour long. And it was really well done, but to me, you could have gotten two hours of Barch Star. would have been even better. But anyway, and then I noticed they replayed the schedule release. But, yeah, I mean, it's a tough schedule. Um, but I think it's a little more manageable than, than last year. And, of course, right now we don't know exactly who, what teams are going to. Usually at this time, you know, well, they've got, Ten starters back, or they've got their quarterback back. Well, some of these teams, they're still guys are going in the portal, or they're adding guys. Rosters are still in flux, but um, yeah, it's, it's good to know. It, it's definitely a tough schedule. Arkansas has one of the tough schedules, but and we knew this going in, but they don't have Alabama. That stands out. They don't have Vanderbilt either, you know. But um, I thought uh, Florida and the SEC and other folks talked about this. Florida looks like they just have a killer schedule because mm-hmm. they don't just. They don't just have ASEC games. They've got Miami and Florida State. And so Billy Napier, who's had back-to-back losing seasons, that, that's a tough schedule going into your third year. Um, I think Oklahoma has a really tough schedule, too, as, as a newbie. I mean, everybody's just pretty tough. I thought Missouri's looks pretty manageable. They've got, I think, five games to open the season, and they're, they're – uh, a uh, Power Five opponent, non-conference is Boston College. You know that Boston College is, is an okay team. They actually beat Missouri when they played in Boston a couple of years ago. But but that's certainly a you know they played Vanderbilt to open the SEC season at home. So I think Missouri, you know, by SEC standards, has a, has a manageable schedule. I'd rather try to play Missouri schedule and Arkansas schedule it that way. It's certainly Florida's schedule. You know, to me, the two toughest that stuck to me were Florida and Oklahoma. Bob, who uh, who's the starting quarterback week one for the Arkansas Razorbacks? Well, that's going to be interesting. Um, I mean, it's, I, I find it amazing KJ Jefferson is not, unless he's posted something while we've been talking, it's not, it's not announced anything. I really can't see KJ coming back, so I think it's going to be uh, uh, his name escaped me the, the the transfer from Boise from Boise State, State. Green, yeah, yeah, Green, yeah, Green, because. Um, you know, and I got to admit, I didn't know a lot about the guy, but reading up on him, uh, Richard Davenport had a good interview with him, and um, he seems like a really good uh, two-way, you know, dual-threat quarterback. You know, good good passing stats, can run. Uh, you know, they he led Boise to uh, he had a great game in the Mountain West Championship game, beat Barry Odom's UNLV team, and so I guess he was splitting uh, reps with another guy, which kind of I don't know the details. That's kind of a head scratch, and the other player got hurt. The Green had a real good freshman year. Um, you know, he's, he's, uh, you know, I don't think they bring him in if by Petrino doesn't feel like they can tailor him to his office. Not just, you know, just, you know, Criswell. I mean, he's been in, he's been here, and he was at North Carolina in that system. So I think you know they brought Green in to compete. I don't think he's like ordained as the starter or whatever. But just on paper, he looks to be the, the best of the group in that room to me. Hi, everybody. This is Chris George from Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Christmas gifts, weddings, heirloom family treasures. And at Joshua's Fine Jewelry, we only have one sale every year, and it's right now. Every single item in our store is value priced for Christmas. We do custom one-of-a-kind jewelry. If that's what you're looking for, come see us. You can get anything fixed for a Christmas gift. Selection, quality, service, and Christmas red tag prices now through Christmas at Joshua's Fine Jewelry in beautiful downtown Russell. 
It's football season at your neighborhood Buffalo Wild Wings. And with 64-inch TVs, beer, burgers, and, you know, wings, Buffalo Wild Wings is the best choice to watch the big game. So bring the gang and join us this football season at your local Buffalo Wild Wings in Bryant, Little Rock, Sherwood, Conway, Jonesboro, and Fort Smith. Buffalo Wild Wings, beer, wings, sports, and your home for any game. Roar! Before Shopify, were you wondering, where my sales at? Now you're selling with Shopify, the global commerce platform supercharging your selling. You have no problem selling online, in person, on social media, and beyond. Gary, easy on the cha-ching. <clears throat> oh, sorry, but my Shopify sales are through the roof. Start selling with Shopify today and discover how millions of businesses around the world use Shopify to ignite their selling. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash listen. Shopify.com slash listen. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Dave and his team have all your holiday drink options. That includes Fireball and Bailey's Chocolate, Jack Daniels Crown Salted Caramel, Winter Seasonal Beers, Eggnogs, and more. Come by Eastside Liquor, 9390 Rogers Avenue in Fort Smith. Now back to the podcast. Let's talk with Alyssa Orange from Pig Trail Nation on Halftime. It's a couple days after we usually talk with Alyssa. She was emceeing the uh, Arkansas women's basketball luncheon on Tuesday, and so we didn't get yes. a chance to talk with her. How'd that go, Alyssa? Yeah, it always goes well. You know, you like to have those before uh, following wins, and, of course, they, they lost to UAPB. But, uh, you know, neighbors very open about it and talking about, you know, that game. And um, they do these once a month during the, the basketball season, and it, it, it's fun to kind of talk to the coach in a uh, little more laid-back setting. And I tell you what, the people who show up, I, lo- I love seeing the same people over and over again. Uh, but they come with some fierce questions. They don't mess around. They've been tracking, doing their own scouting reports, and, and they come with uh, some challenging questions for my neighbor, so it keeps them on his toes for sure. Well, I, I guess top of mind right now is <clears throat> what's, uh, what's the situation with Emery Ellis's left elbow? Uh, because yeah. without Ellis, um, you know, you don't really have much of a reserve at, at forward. Um, and you're already dealing with maybe uh, being uh, challenged when it comes to some of the bigger teams in the SEC. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, right now it's a team that's struggling to find some depth, and Emory was part of that depth. Yeah, I think so. And, and he was asked about that, you know, obviously asked about not only, not only the depth issue with Emory. And, and he says that, you know, the, the good news is they're hoping that she can be back for the trip to Fort Myers. So that's good news. Um, probably not going to see her play this weekend, but hopefully can be back for that Fort Myers trip. Um, and they're looking forward to that because you saw against UAPB when Miriam Dowdy gets in foul trouble early without that depth, which they thought that they were going to have um, at the beginning of the season. And then, of course, Jersey leaves and, and, and Sasha isn't playing anymore. Um, they have to move Sailor over there. And so that kind of takes Sailor's game um, and limits it just a little bit in terms of rebounding and whatnot because she's having uh, to, to play the five. So uh, having Emery back, I think, would be really, really big for them as they continue to kind of just find the right rotations and get depth um, at positions before SEC play starts here in two weeks. Is there anybody that you think I, – I, I, guess I, I guess I have a little surprise that – that the coaching staff hasn't seen enough from Jenna Lawrence to get her a, a little more playing time, and she got some against UCLA, but that was that was kind of that maybe that was a little different because I'm not sure what you know we were expecting from from the UCLA game. That's a really really good Bruins team, but you know a Gatorade Player yeah. of the Year in the state, um, highly yeah. recruited, and has really had trouble seeing the court. Yeah, and neighbors with us about that too. They, they come with these questions, right? Hot questions from the audience. Um, and, and asked about why Jenna didn't play, and he said he did not want to put Jenna in that situation. It was unfair to her in that time to put Jenna in there, in, a, in, a, in that situation, so he wasn't going to do that. Uh, but he is also not recruiting girls anymore who are going to need some development, who aren't ready to play now. And, and there are days where... Uh, Jenna is ready and offensively she's there it's still a defensive thing and kind of getting her going on the defensive end and it's not like they lose a lot of defense when Jenna is out there but they want to put her in the right situations they want to set her up for success she is a freshman you can't um, just throw her into certain situations um, 
because of how that can affect people and, and, and their play. And so she's right there. They want a player. They, they just don't know. And he was asked, is Jenna going to be ready? And he was like, you know, I don't, I don't know. We still got to see some things from her in practice or on the defensive end. Our offense is there, but we just want to make sure she's in the right spot to set her up for success when we put her on the board. Alyssa, with the, the the schedule release for college football out, and uh, you know the portal just just uh, there we go. Yep, being 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 you're, open. You've been, you've been usually pretty good. We're, uh, by the way, Alyssa, we're not allowed to say the TP words. You get a dollar fine if you do. Oh, we, wonderful. We we lost our best offensive player. We we lost our best defensive yeah. player. We we don't know what's up with KJ. That that being said, who who's going to be our who who do you think right now? If you were to say this would be our starting quarterback next year, who do you think that will be? Well, they brought Kalen Green from Boise State in for a reason, right? And they want competition at the quarterback spot. And and I think you understand this, Matt. Like we need a quarterback competition. We want we want a quarterback battle. We want to see exactly who should be playing at QB for Arkansas when the first game rolls around next August. Uh, and so it's going to be probably between him and, and Jacoby Criswell. We don't know what KJ is going to do, and it's a very interesting situation where he's posting pictures, working out, or, or walking around in Arkansas gear, but he hasn't made up his mind yet. Um, we don't know what's going to happen. So to take KJ and, and that variable out of it, it's going to be a quarterback battle between Criswell and Green. And they bring him in because they think they can he can fit what Bobby Petrino wants to do offensively, and then they want to obviously give Jacoby Criswell a chance to prove that as well. Um, if I was a betting person, I would bet that Green was your starter, but again, Jacoby Criswell can come out there and prove us all wrong. So uh, that's what you need, and I think you realize, even watching people go into um, – that, that thing that you go into when you don't want to be with your team anymore. At <laughs> um, <laughs> my alma mater, there you go, and people are going in at left and right, and you're like, what's going on? But this is just the, wor- the world that we live in right now, and so um, everything is going to fall into place the way that it's supposed to, and uh, a roster is going to get put together that Sam and his coaching staff thinks is going to have success, and um, with the schedule that they have, I think it lays out pretty nicely. What what is the situation with your alma mater and and the uh, the heat gone zone? They got a ton in there, don't they? They do, yeah. So uh, I w- I saw yesterday Rodney Hill, this freshman running back, is in the portal, which surprised me. I think Trey Benson might go to the NFL. I don't know if he's made that announcement yet, but they had a pretty stout backfield, and there was even some talk that Rocket Sanders was a guy they were targeting too before he ended up committing to South Carolina. Um, they also have this. Um, defensive end who played opposite of Jared versus Patrick um, uh, I can't think of his last name now that I'm stuck but he is in the portal but it's about NIL negotiations like he wanted X amount of money Florida State couldn't give him that so he says he's going to go in the portal but then he wants this and that and like that's what we're seeing too is like who can go to the highest bidder and so it's the world we live in right now so I try not to let him get me too high or too low your Dodgers apparently were the uh, highest bidder Oof. Although the Giants said that they were ready to match, um, it's a crazy contract, and it's I think it's 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 difficult to understand <clears throat> the ramifications of the contract, the contract itself. Yeah. Um, right. But I will say this: um, with the with the lineup that they'll put together, the money they still have available to get pitching, uh, and the resources that are there for them. Uh, how many World Series do you expect in the Dodgers to win over the lifetime of Otani's contract? Oh, man. Can I say, like, at least five? Because that would be great. Matt, I'm going to go um, throw up I... for a moment here, please. <laughs> Look, you know what? I just want another one so that the Dodgers have one so that anytime I talk about it, someone there's someone out there in the audience who will be like, well, 2020 doesn't count, has an asterisk. So I'm over that. I need a real one so we can get past 2020. Uh, and then start start racking them in again. Mm. Can't wait to watch them in those dot and that Dodger blue. But that was the yeah. only, really that was the only one that made sense to me. It's a, yeah. it's a franchise where, uh, truthfully, beloved icons have played, and I, and I think it fits. It, I'm not a Dodgers fan, you know that. I'm not going to root for them because he's there, but it it fit. Maybe yeah. that's the best. And way he to didn't put have it. to move, so there's that too. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a couple and basketball. Go ahead, Alyssa. Oh, there's 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 a couple. Oh, 
There's a couple of basketball things that I was uh, wanting to talk about. First of all, I, sure. I just want to get your thoughts on Draymond Green and um, the, the the incident and, and how much does your, your past kind of, you know, if this was his first offense, I, I, I don't know what would happen, but what do you think ends up happening with Draymond Green? Yeah, you know, I, I, every time I see it, you, you know, your first reaction is like, come on, man, right? Like, come on, bro. You know, you're better than that. And mm-hmm. you get frustrated after a while because then you're asking yourself, okay, is he better than that? Does he have to play that way to be successful? I think the answer is no. He might think the answer is yes. But clearly we have now established us as this persona, bad guy, dirty player, who's going to do things like this. And uh, it, it's gotten to a point where they are going to have to sit him down and have a conversation with him. Um because if the Warriors don't, then the league might have to say, like, look, you, you can't be continuing to put players in a position to where, like, they're hoping their nose doesn't get broke or whatever it may be at the end of the day. And so, like, I hate that part about the game. Hopefully he can kind of figure out what's going on there and clean that up. But it's, it's, it's not a good look, and, and I don't like it at all. You know, when you, you Draymond's supposed to be a smart player, high basketball IQ, kind of Phil and I were talking earlier, kind of a little bit about a like a Grayson Allen feel at Duke when he was going. But this is more malicious, I think, you know, when you when you're mm-hmm. you're punching by in the face. But this this Arkansas Razorback basketball team are, are can can we say must missed on a couple guys? Or are you do you are you still hanging on that they're gonna get this figured out? I think they're gonna get it figured out. I think what's happening is um, you know, I had someone ask me, how would you describe this basketball team? And my response was individual. And that's mm-hmm. what they are right now. They've got to start playing as a team again. And understanding that it's not when you just play Duke at home that you can play together and, and win basketball games. You've got to play that way all the time. And, and some of these things that Musk has always done isn't working. So you go back to the drawing table. But um Jalen Graham said it this week. It's like these coaches have been hounding into us. We need to play as a team. We need to play as a team. And it's the first time, and I commend Jalen Graham for being a little bit more candid with the media this week about basically coming out and saying, we know we're not playing well together. We're playing a lot of I basketball, and uh, we need to start playing a lot of me basketball. And uh, they've kind of had to take a hard look at themselves in the mirror and figure out why and what's happening and um, change things up because yeah I mean the fact that Joe Lenardi put out his bracketology for the first time a couple days ago and there were nine SEC teams in his first bracket and Arkansas was not one of them should be a wake up call that uh, they got to get something going and they got to fix it fast Hey Alyssa the Bowerman uh, is tonight a uh, couple yes. of finalists are Razorbacks Jaden Hibbert Britton Wilson uh, how much of a shot do you give each of them to, uh, to maybe sure. win this well, I'm excited. I'm actually sitting in the hotel. That's where I am here in Denver for the Bowerman tonight. And uh, they've got a whole thing going on. So we're going to go ahead to a luncheon here in a few minutes. Uh, but I, I like Jaden's chances. He's just had a phenomenal freshman season. And what he accomplished breaking Mike Conley's record as a freshman is pretty incredible. And then Britton, just the way she started, I mean, she holds multiple school records, multiple collegiate and national world records. And I know that her her career kind of ended with a little bit of an injury and she's kind of still battling a little bit of that but I hope that it's what she did before what she did most recently that matters and I'd love an Arkansas sweep only one person has ever won this from the University of Arkansas believe it or not and that's Jerrion Lawson and so maybe they can sweep tonight but I, I give if I had to pick one for sure I think Jaden Hibbert walks away with some hardware tonight. You're listening to the Eastside Liquor Halftime Podcast. Check out the Bud Light Morning Rush Podcast at hitthatline.com. This podcast has been presented by Bet Online. This podcast is an exclusive property of Pearson Broadcasting. It may not be copied, reproduced, modified, published, uploaded, reposted, transmitted, or distributed in any way without Pearson Broadcasting's prior written consent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.